0: This episode of the Curious Life podcast is brought to you by the Sneaky Treat Company Melbourne, decadent sweet treats delivered to your door. Let your friends, family or clients know that you're thinking of them with a box of goodies and a personalized note to send along with your gift. The You know you want to.
1: Hennessy is a comedian, author, radio announcer and TV presenter who has many passions, not just campaigning for adults being able to order children's meals in cafes and pubs. Yep, she is one of a kind. There is so much to this woman with the tiger heart. So dive in and enjoy this very fun chat. You're moments away from finding out the benefits of a kinesiology machine too. And Tanya Hennessy joins Yana on the Curious Life podcast.
0: Kennedy, welcome to the show. It's so lovely to see you. Oh my
2: God, you too. Apologies. I, okay, I've, we are just talking about this off pod, but I've got a kinesiology machine on like a hippie, crazy person. I don't know what has become of me. Yeah. <laughs> I used to be cool and now I'm like, well, off to the kinesiologist and then I'm going to buy a kinesiology machine. I just bought like so many crystals. I've got like <laughs> I think it's no I don't oh, know
0: selignite
2: yeah that one yeah every doorway in the house someone just came and stayed and they're like why are there crystals on the door I'm like oh like whoever <laughs> I don't I don't know
0: if it makes you feel any better I put crystals under my son's pillow because I thought there were ghosts in his bedroom and I wanted him not to be scared <laughs> you like I I don't reckon
2: there's ghosts anymore, but God, it's uncomfortable to sleep, mum. Thank you so, so much.
0: Correct. Yeah. It keeps finding its way out of his pillow and I keep shoving it back in there. But the ghosts do seem to have gone. You have to ask him to go. Yeah. We did a whole thing. We had a page. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've done that too. I've done that too. I, I, yeah. My
2: friend had a ghost at her house when we were at uni in Bathurst and we did this like full seance. It was, it was like not even like a thing, not legit. You know, we were just like, this is funny, but like that house was a hundred percent haunted and she moved out.
0: (laughs) Oh my God, I would too. My God. (laughs) Haunted house in Bathurst. Oh, no. No, I can't, I could barely cope with my friendly ghosts in the front room. So Elizabeth actually, who I mentioned to you off air, she gave me some advice and tuned in to who they were. And they were apparently just very curious about who we were. And they thought that my son was delightful and entertaining, but I just had such a creepy sensation. And I, I found myself running out of his bedroom at, at nighttime, like, okay, night, gotta go. And then I would feel so bad that I was leaving this little kid alone in the scary room that I couldn't even stand to be in. <laughs> Here's the crystal seer. Yeah, that's it. You'll be right, thrown in from the door. saging from outside, crying. Yeah, that's it. Terrible. So you're among friends anyway. Kinesiology machines are welcome in this space. Uh, yeah, good. It cost
2: a fortune, so I've got to like make sure I. Uh get the most out of it which is why I'm running a program now oh program oh running a program what am I running I'm running well-being soul so look you know when you start working this it says this may or may not work (laughs) (laughs) and then you have to click like next like you know like I. (laughs) oh okay (laughs) yeah like (laughs) right it sounds like something I 100% need something that may or may not work I tell you, do you not think if you believe in something, it probably will work? Correct. The placebo effect. The placebo effect. Like yep. I seriously am very interested in a placebo because I take a sleeping pill most nights. Not like a full-on one, but just mm. like.
0: A little tamazzy or something.
2: Yeah. Mm. And I, I'm always like, I wonder if someone replaced this with just like a Tic Tac, whether or not.
0: Mm. Have you tried, try replacing it with a Panadol. I was doing something similar. I was feeling quite anxious, and nighttime obviously is when it's the worst time to be anxious because you just can't get to sleep. So I was doing that as well. And then I started taking Panadol. I said to myself, I'll just take some Panadol. That'll help me go to sleep. That seemed to work. It's the placebo effect, I think, of taking your pill at nighttime and then getting into bed. Mm-hmm.
2: Cause girl, there's nothing that I don't take for bedtime. Like I I have like a full routine. I'm like, I put on a diffuser. I (laughs) use a heat pack. I take a friggin' lavender pill. It's like just full lavender. Oh my God. And then you burp and it tastes like, you know, <laughs> dusk or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, uh, oh my gosh. Eye mask, sleep spray. Then I've got like yep. a linen spray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Marketing people are bloody good.
0: Seriously. But do they work? That's the question.
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> my brain goes... <laughs> oh, let's think about all the things that you did today that was embarrassing. Oh, and mm. let's think about something embarrassing you did in 2001.
0: Ah, uh, classic. Yeah. Or
2: yep. more likely what it does is it goes, Hey, I've got a really good idea.
0: Mm. I'm like, cool.
2: You reckon you could bring this idea at 10 AM and it's like, nah, midnight, 2 AM.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Overactive brain overthinking. Yeah. It's a really common thing. It's something that anyone who experiences anxiety and someone who is doing so many things like you are is going to experience it's just part and parcel but how do we manage it that's the question
2: that's why i'm so kind of into kinesiology because it brings Mm. you back into your body as opposed to your mind and that's why i do a bit of like earthing so i'll go stand in the Like people are probably listening to this going, I did not think this is what Tanya was like, but hello, I'm a weird soul, crazy person. It's all because I'm trying to help myself get out of my head. And so a lot of what I'll do is go stand without shoes on in the, grass or -hmm. water is a good one Mm -hmm. just to try and get myself back in my body nature any of those things I find remarkably game-changery and even though I'm not real good at meditating I still give it a crack
0: Mm, 100% and I think those grounding techniques that you're talking about makes such a difference and they're the easiest things to forget we're in our phones buried in our phones doing a million things responding to emails doing instagram thinking what we have to promote or post or reply or anything constant reply to friends family you're forever frantically getting electric things in your brain and
1: yeah. then
0: all we need is to go out into the sunshine or put your feet in the grass or go to the beach and just sit there and listen to the ocean and it's transformative. But it's like, it's so simple, but we don't make the time for it. It's terrible.
2: Because yeah. I saw someone the other day just like uh, laying in the sun and uh, it was Rachel Corbett who works at, at Nova. She's on Insta Stories and she's like a powerhouse. She basically runs all the podcasting at Nova who are just like so great and she's mm-hmm. such an icon. But I was like, why is she just laying in the sun? And then I was like, oh, my God she's trying to help herself. Like this, Mm, it's so weird. I I heard someone do, does yoga in the middle of their corporate stuff.
1: And I was like,
2: that's so essential, isn't it? You know, it's so hippy dippy, but it's actually saving people.
0: Totally. We just live in a
2: culture of burnout. And someone said, or I think it was Brene Brown said, if you want to stop, Burnout. Stop living like you're on fire, and like exactly what you said. It's like replying to messages, da da, da Like that is like literally living on fire. Plus, you've yeah. just, like in your case, you've got children, you have a husband, you're trying to mm. manage family. You know, it's yeah. it's it's a really hard, like hard to manage life that we have now, and the expectation is so intense. So mm-hmm. for me, the thing that is the best for my brain is to slow down and stop.
0: Yeah, but how much do you actually do that? Like, you know, we all know. That's what we need to be doing. How much do you actually prioritise self-care?
2: I haven't at all for 10 years, so I'm taking all of June off. So I'm not working at all in June and I'm only working a little bit in July.
0: Fantastic. But I'm
2: fortunate. Not everyone has that ability and, Mm. you know, is able to do that. So I know that I have a privilege in that, but I've sort of run myself into the ground now. And Mm. uh, Stevie kind of saved me because this kid's book I read is really – from my soul that I wrote it in a state of flow and it's really like special as opposed to sometimes you know you're doing some advertising and stuff and it doesn't feel like the most soulful work yes. so Stevie kind of like saved me
0: from feeling like a commercial robot yeah and of course you're talking about Stevie Louise from drumroll please yes it's Stevie Louise it's Stevie Louise. she is which is your junior fiction book it's your third book that you've written is that right third Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is your first junior fiction book. And I just find that so interesting because I was going to say, well, especially for someone as busy as you are, who's hunkered down and been writing a book, expecting that you would have been like, yes, it's been exhausting, but a joy. But in fact, you're saying it's the opposite, that she yeah, actually it. saved you and given you that place of joy and creativity. And
2: oh, yeah, and I bawled my eyes out when I finished it because mm-hmm. I was like, no you know yeah. I don't know like I know that you have some conversations around maybe writing a book I don't know if that's released Du-du-duh. who knows <laughs> um, but like I wrote this book before I had a contract to write it I wrote it from like just like love as opposed to yeah. need need to yeah like think f- this is the first piece of content or I'm going to call it art that I've created like in such a long time because I've been making video content for years since 2013 wow And it just started to feel I felt like oh I can't make this anymore I'm so bored of it whereas yep. this felt like so new and rejuvenating as opposed yeah. to wheel like vibes you know
0: 100% and for someone who is creative like you are you've got to keep changing it up otherwise you lose the passion and how brilliant that you found the passion again in such a beautiful way because the book is just what young girls particularly, need to be reading about these like strong, interesting, complex characters. One of the things I loved about Stevie in the beginning of the book, which I think so many young people will relate to, is that feeling of being around your classmates and them not really knowing the true you because Mm -hmm. you're just too anxious or nervous or uncomfortable or worried about what everyone else is going to think of you to be able to just be who you are when you're with your best mates or with your family around everyone else. I thought that was so important to talk about. And you talk about that in the beginning where, or not you, sorry, Stevie talks about that in the beginning where she talks about not feeling as brave and confident around her peers as she would like to be.
2: Yeah, and she's like, I want to be the same Stevie everywhere. Yeah. Um, I felt like that as a kid. I, I always felt like I was a different person at home with my family and my close friends because I, mm. the, the book is about a, a bunch of kids in the same neighbourhood and I grew up in a neighbourhood full of kids and we just dicked around. I don't think you can create anything that wasn't or isn't a part of you. You know, mm. The Office was based on Ricky Gervais's life, so it's not completely inspired by me but kind of when I was at school, I always felt like no one understood me and I couldn't wait to get home and be myself. And I was like, that's must be relatable. So I put it in. And when the kids started reading it, I'm like, I'm like this. And I was like, oh my
0: gosh, yeah. how
2: cool to write a relatable children's character. <laughs> like yeah, accidentally, you know what I mean? I was like, yeah, thank God.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think it's really important to talk about even the kids that seem like they've got it all together and seem like they're really confident at school. And I work as a therapist. I work with young people. And so often the conversation is that everyone else is really confident Mm -hmm. and really happy at school. And in fact, I think everyone's just that little duck sitting on top of the water with their legs furiously kicking underneath, looking like they've got it together, but actually not having a clue what's going on really.
2: I tell you, that was my biggest like learning as a, as a creative in the media, like I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to get found out, which is imposter syndrome. Mm. I was like, everyone feels this way. Yeah. one feels this way. And once I like, I know it sounds dumb, but once I realized that or found out that everybody feels this way, it was like I could all of a sudden perform differently because I was like, no one knows what they're doing. That gives me comfort. <laughs> Everyone's making it up. I'm making it up. They're making it up. There is no rule book to this. That gave me so much comfort and actually like pushed me further. That's kind of what Stevie learns on mm-hmm. her adventure. It was so important to me that I had like a, an emotional narrative as well as like a an actual narrative. I
0: guess. Yeah. You talked about that being part of who you were as a kid and pulling things out from your memory bank. If you were to look back at Little Tanya now, how do you think she would feel about reading something like Stevie?
2: Uh, I think she would be like, uh, I can't believe you wrote this. Well done, adult <laughs> self. You've really come through. I never thought you'd amount to much. So this is great. Uh, <laughs> do you make any money from this? And the answer is no. Um, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not, well, you know, the thing is, like, we live in a world that's Creativity by, by money, but mm. when you take away the money, when if you're able to, it's so much better when you can be creative on your own terms instead of mm. with like without a money bounty or an advertising agency attached to it. You know, it's just mm. it's really great because uh, that doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah. I think my child self would read it and be like, "Oh, I feel seen," and yeah. I uh, I still struggle. Stevie has this scene where she can't read out loud, and I mm. still struggle to read out loud. So I'm sort of like the theme is. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and also I don't know the mum in this is going through a phase. She's mm. really into crystals and she's wearing a you know a muumuu and she's got live love love around the house and I guess the idea behind the mum going through this phase is that in the mum's 42 I think she is. Her name's Suzette, lol. Is my yeah. friend's mum's name. I just loved it. I love it. Suzette. Anyway, uh the idea was that Stevie's going through a phase of self-development, but at 42, the mom Suzette is going through a stage of self-development and change and evolution. Mm. And the change sort of doesn't finish. It just continues. And so it's not about like finishing one thing and being like, well, that's it. It's just like, there's going to be another mountain. And so the message of resilience and just like being okay with the the change or being okay with the journey is the thing, if that makes Mm. sense.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: And I think an Easter egg there, but, and the the other Easter egg is that obviously people listening to this have not read it, but Stevie has this thing with gold boots. She wears these gold boots and if she gets, that's where she gets her confidence from and she loses them. And then she's like thrown into this, like, ah, but the play the kids put on is Cinderella and Cinderella has a thing with shoes as well. And I wanted Mm -hmm. to have that sort of like dual narrative running at the same time about, cinderella finds herself with shoes and stevie finds herself without them
0: beautiful god i hadn't even made that connection how silly
2: no, it's that I'm really like crazy and I'm like, oh, how can I put messages in here? Because oh. <laughs> I also like I'm a big Disney fan and they do a lot of Easter eggs and, and Pixar does a lot of Easter eggs and, and those sorts of dual themes for adults. Mm. That's why the Illustrator is super Disney as well because I'm so inspired by Disney. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, you and Megan Markle.
2: Yeah, yeah, just two women making the same amount of money, same amount of success, just me and Megan, best friends. That's just right. Two women, rich, dating princes, yeah. married yeah. with a child, just living our <laughs> lives, being interviewed friends by with Oprah. Oprah. Besties with Oprah, just doing voices voiceovers for like millions of dollars.
0: No, it's really lovely seeing how much you two have in common. It's gorgeous. <laughs>
2: I was drinking,
1: I was spattered all over my (laughs) lap. Tanya Hennessy, she's a hoot, right? And next you'll hear more about her childhood and how it shaped her to being the person she is today. She's certainly a surprise package. But I do think
0: those things are really important. You've experienced things like that as a child, which most of us have at times where you're feeling like you don't know where you fit in and that you need some kind of thing to help you feel confident. Then I think it's going to resonate with so many people. and I according to wiki, you were a drama teacher at one time. yeah, yeah. so did you did you ever kind of Recognize some of those kids that might be feeling a little bit like they didn't know where their place was, and how did you find that time?
2: My favorite age group is like fourteen to eighteen, just because their brains are like loving sort of more theater of the absurd, and they want to do you know non-conventional space theater, and like I love doing or, or site specific, you know, taking a site and or they newspaper theater where they take something from the newspaper and make it contemporary. Like I love that, but. Kids between 8 and 12 are so cute and fun as well and their brains work so interestingly. But they're very shy. They're at that shamey place Mm -hmm. maybe where they're like, oh, I can't, you know. But when they like step into themselves, it's so exciting. And one of the big things you say as a drama teacher is don't be afraid to look silly. You know, you can Mm -hmm. look silly. The sillier you feel, the better, you know, you look as a performer, you know, just it's okay. So I spent a lot of time saying that to these kids and I didn't really think about that. But yeah, I must have been super inspired by them. But mm. this will, I think I'm going to turn Stevie into a play because the reason there's so many female comedic leads is so it could be performed as a play. I was very inspired by um, mm. Hating Alison Ashley, yeah. which is why there's is called Addison, which is like Alison. Yes, I wondered I about
0: that. Yeah, because that was our time growing up. That was the book. Yeah.
2: yeah. I, loved, I loved that. Uh, but I, I was like, how can I add something else to this? Which is why Stevie's a bit of an entrepreneur, which yeah. I felt like. So many, cause I was reading so much junior fiction, right. And it all about love stories. And I was like, how do I like not write a love story? Actually, yeah. I never thought, how do I not write a love story? I just was like, why are there so many love stories? I don't want to write that.
0: Yeah. Cause that doesn't connect with all kids at that age. There are plenty of kids that have no interest in dating and relationships until oh. much later
2: me I was that kid like I was just not interested you know I Mm. did you ever used to do this as a kid like I grew up in Newcastle we used to like collect flowers chuck them in a vase or like a like a Tupperware container put oil in it and then be like oh it's perfume no yeah it was a weird thing actually now I think of it and then I used (laughs) to put up old birthday cards stick them on other pieces of paper and then sell them like I was such an entrepreneurial I didn't want to make money I just wanted to like it was like a way of entertaining myself. What Crafting,
0: I- being creative.
2: Yeah. And so what are the other kids who feel like they want to give more or create more and be bigger than themselves?
0: That's more of a theme with the young the generations that are coming through yes. now. They know they can create and become anything. When we was- were growing up, it was like go to university and you become a professional of some description. Now it's literally at any time in your life, you can get your phone and you can become anything.
2: Yeah, I know. And I think watching a lot of TikTok, like the Gen Zs are so different to us. You know, like we still grew up in a generation of like body shaming, whereas we still kind of do, but they grow up on TikTok. It's like high, big up, plus size people. And I mean, yeah. the word people instead of gender is a really interesting notion, yep. which is why there's probably a non-binary character in there. But they're still young, so they don't 100% know, which is, I think, true to how a 10-year-old would feel. They're not sure. They're mm. just being themselves. Yeah. But, yeah, I think TikTok was a huge eye-opener for how the different generations are. Mm. They can start yeah. to tell their own narrative, their own way, excited by the younger generations, to be honest with you. I think that, Yeah. I think it's exciting. They they don't have as many um, ties to the old world. Mm. It's how things have to be, and men should be this way, and women should be this way.
0: And there are a lot of discussions about that at the moment, which I think are so important. And I think we need more stories written about women by women. And as you say, there are so many amazing female characters in this book. I could just, I could see this becoming a series. You could just be writing a new, I don't know if you feel like, making this kind of yeah. commitment but you could be having like a new book every year and these characters could be growing and developing and having adventures and there are enough different characters in there that everybody is captured in some way and everyone will have somebody that they relate to more the parents will totally relate to the mum having a vase and
2: yeah having a wine and yeah that line is so funny there's this line in there that's like we think the house next door to us is haunted. Mum's friend Kira came over. She's psychic. She said it probably is because she couldn't be bothered to leave the table because she's having a wine and cheese with Mum. Like I just yes. <laughs> so like that's a bit of a you know like a shrek. Yeah. like kids will understand that, but parents will get it if that totally. it. the kids like oh yeah my mum does that. But yeah. this is like ah I feel very seen and heard. Uh, I know. Oh,
1: but yeah, oh, like, yeah,
2: you write like multiple characters because. So you've got Stevie, who's the protagonist. You've got Addison, who's like the antagonist, who's not really, but she's like the agitator. Mm-hmm. And then you've got these twins who live in the neighbourhood, Macy and Luke, Trixie, Alex, Hannah, which is Stevie's sister, Riley, who's, you know what I mean? There's so many yeah. characters in this. And to bring them all up and give them enough lines and give them enough text to be developed and figure, mm-hmm. it's, it's actually really frigging hard. And I was mm-hmm. like, the thing I learned most doing this book was like, Jesus Kids writers are amazing. This
0: yeah. is tough. Yeah. Yeah. Because you'd have to be careful in some way. You can't just be your usual funny self. You have to no. ride at a certain level of yeah. I don't know. That's that's kids are great. Kids are really yeah. great. I'm well, you're gonna get honesty <laughs> from them. Oh
2: yes. Oh yes. Mm. They'll also tell you what they don't like. The boys are like, I hate that the cover's pink. <laughs> And I'm like, sorry, that was not my choice. But I think if we did reprint it, just thinking, even though I don't think gender really lies in pink and blue, some boys don't feel super confident about picking up a book that doesn't look even gender neutral. If like it's mm. very like it's pretty neon, but plenty of boys have read it. But I think maybe we would print it in a in a different color, which is it's an interesting mm. one, isn't it? Yeah, that's good feedback. Yeah. That's like, that's yeah. the, the main bit of feedback I've had. It's like, I don't like how pink it is. I'm a boy and I want to read it, but it's pink. And you're like, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But it's, it must matter to some kids, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And what about in schools? Have you had, have you been able to get the book in schools, uh, teachers reading it to kids, anything like that?
2: Yeah. But cause it's a chapter book. It's a tough one. It's not like mm-hmm. a book they can read quickly. But it's got notes about, like there's a lot of education notes around it that I had to approve the other day. It's like, what does Stevie say? Uh, What does Stevie's body language suggest about her feelings? And you're like, oh, this Mm.
0: is
2: cool. Someone said to me the other day, the best way to sell a book is to put it on the writing curriculum. I was like, so true because then people have to buy it. Yes, absolutely. I'm like, no wonder Hamlet sold so well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Shakespeare had that one down. (laughs) Yeah, but you
2: think about it, like I wonder, like Jane Austen is obviously like, an unbelievable, iconic writer, but, you know, because she was on the, the education
0: book list, I wonder. Looking for Ella Brandy. Didn't we all read yes. that? Linda like... Marchetti must have done brilliantly. Yep. And 1984. Charlotte's Web, Charlotte Webb, of course. That was year one we did that one. Yeah, like all those books, you kind of go, no wonder
2: they sold so well. Obviously, they're brilliant texts, like, real, like yeah. you know, you can't fault How to Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. Or Charlotte's Web is like an amazing story. Every time I yeah. see a rat, I always think of Charlotte's Web. I also think maybe I should move house. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I, like, honestly, you kind of go, that's such a good idea. Mm, so,
1: absolutely. it's anyway, to a marketing team. Going, I'm
2: an author, think this way if your book has to be purchased you will make money correct I've never thought about it like that before it's no like, you make your book be purchased put it on a school reading list whoever does and that So who does that I need to go have dinner with that person you're like Hello. absolutely
0: if you're listening
2: get in touch yeah. with Tanya Hennessy <laughs> please please buy my book on mass and make everyone else buy it everyone hates it but they're like oh I gotta buy it <laughs>
0: Now, I want to talk to you about your other parts of your life as well, because you've had such a massive media career. You've pretty much done a bit of everything, radio, TV, all kinds of things. And I know we were talking before off air that there are parts of being on the radio that you really miss and sharing stories with people. And has there been a standout moment for you in your career, say in the last 10 years, that's just been, I mean, apart from writing this fabulous book, that's just been like, wow, oh, my God, I'm so, I I'm can't it. believe what I'm doing here. This is so exciting.
2: This sounds so lame, but, like, as a kid, I never won any trophies because I did drama and music and, you know, creative industries don't really have those markers like sport. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you sung a song. But, you, I mean, music yeah. and, and, and arts is also like, you know, how do you rate that and give awards for it? But when I won my... Uh, I have two radio awards and they're the first trophies I ever won. And I won them at 31 and 32 or 30 and 31. Like Mm. first time I ever got a trophy, I was 30. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I only have those two. I don't have anything else. I just have two radio awards. (laughs) You know, some kids have like trophies from when they're a kid, but I never did sport. Not once. I don't know the rules of netball. Like I don't know any, I don't know the difference between AFL and NRL. Except one, maybe they run a bit more. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I've, i just tried so much harder in radio than I ever did on social. So like mm. social always was like, I did so much better at it, but I didn't try half as hard. Like mm. radio. I gave everything to everything. Wow. So, yeah. When you get like those sorts of rewards. I mean, yeah. can I be honest? The reward is that people listen to your show mm. and call in and engage or yeah, send right. flowers to the station. Like that is like peak engagement. That is the yeah. best reward you could ever get. But I think there's something about being acknowledged by the industry is really cool. Mm -hmm. You're like, I'm I'm not faking it.
0: Yeah, that imposter syndrome.
2: Yeah, I love maths. Maths uh, helps my imposter syndrome. So if (laughs) I'm shit, sometimes I'll see some numbers of sales and I'll go, okay, not that
0: shit. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's a funny thing, imposter syndrome, isn't it? I've been talking to a lot of guests about that recently. And it's, it's something that's being talked about a whole lot more. And it used to be thought that it was really very much a thing that affected women. But mm-hmm. the more men that I speak to, they talk about them having those moments too, where they just feel like someone's going to find out in a minute that I'm not actually what I'm saying I am and I'm really? not as good. Yeah, it's happening To a lot of men. And it's only just starting to be talked about. And I think if we all recognize, like you did, that it impacts all of us, maybe we'll be able to dial down the volume on that negative little voice telling us we're not good enough and actually just be able to produce our best work or just take the leap and do whatever we need to be doing.
2: I look back at TV when I was growing up and I was like, I remember watching like the Logies red carpet or whatever when I was like a kid. And I was like, why don't people be honest? Like surely that is uncomfortable or you've got to wear (laughs) undies that you don't like or you you can't breathe or your hair's really tight. Like why don't people talk Mm -hmm. about that? And I think that if people had have, it would have made the next generation easier because we constantly look to them and go, but you did it so effortlessly. They just didn't talk about the hard. Whereas our generation talks about the hard and the next generation talks about the hard. Mm. So that's why I think people are becoming becoming themselves quicker, learning who they are quicker, because there's more honesty, if mm. that makes sense. And I think that's what like, is going to help imposter syndrome because mm. imposter syndrome is literally built on why doesn't it look or feel how I thought it would? Mm. People who are in those positions ahead of you, maybe weren't super honest with the reality of it. I feel mm. like the only reason I was put on this earth was to give this message, you are not alone. And mm. as a kid, I used to listen to that song from Michael Jackson like over and over and over again. Like, yeah. Cause I just was like, oh my God. And I know it was about a relationship, <laughs> but my brain like just like heard it so deeply. And I think that's always been like truly instilled in everything I do, which is why I wanted to make Stevie relatable, which is why I don't care about sharing too much if it is perceived that way. Because I want people to feel like, hey, fuck, like, I'm not alone. Like I can do this. If that hoe can do it, I can do it. Like I'm not special. I'm just resilient. Mm-hmm. Like I don't really think that.
0: <laughs> you know, I just like just withstand it. The statistics we know about like mental health and everything, I think they're not actually reflective of what's really going on. That captures the people that are going and getting help from professional. It's yes, so true. But I think the majority of people experience everything like anxiety and stress and overwhelm and imposter syndrome and all of those things, but just don't talk about it or just don't seek the help.
2: Yeah. People. Well, that generation, like the mm. X and the boomers really sweep everything under the rug. Whereas yeah. like the millennials, Gen Zs, and now the alphas, when they start to get older will be like, I want to talk about this. We're the generation that has seen a therapist We're the generation yeah. of like open conversation, critical conversation. Yeah. Maybe for me, that's a better place. Maybe it's not for everyone. Some people prefer mm-hmm. to not talk about things, but I would like to know that other people feel the same way as me. So I don't feel so fucking alone.
0: Totally. And I think when we were growing up, the only kind of benchmark you had was girlfriend magazine or Dolly magazine. It right. was like the Dolly doctor section where people would talk about their painful period or something like that it was like one page a couple of columns that was and that was our Instagram that's where we heard what other people (laughs) were talking were feeling and experiencing otherwise it was just you in your little room and that was it so as you say these you know the kids today have such a better or such better access to support and benchmarks than we did yeah and not only
2: did they have that I mean, they've got bad things as well, but but like they've got some really amazing resources Mm. and uh, the conversation around mental health is so different to when it was when we were kids, like. yeah. yeah.
1: Tanya had some strange flashbacks whilst in the jungle appearing on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. They took her to a place that surprised even her. It's coming up on the Curious Love Podcast. So
0: shifting away from mental health, I am interested. You've mentioned it a couple of times growing up in Newcastle. Mm. What was that time like for you? I had the best childhood. I don't know. Did you have a good childhood? I had a really good one. I did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah like
2: dicked around with like kids in the neighborhood and put on shows and sung a lot I'd like singing lessons and I had like kind of a ridiculous childhood because my dad owned a Mars fundraising which is do you remember when you could go if you had a netball team or a, whatever like a drama team drama team (laughs) You you fundraise for something you'd get like the Maltesers and there were three dollars you know that my dad 12 or 15 years so like I just had unlimited candy and then people wonder why I have sugar addictions (laughs) (laughs) and then can I tell you he left Mars when I was like 15 and started a coffee company so like he's had two of the most addictive substances (sighs) in the world that I've had unlimited access to my whole life and people are like why are you so addicted to coffee and chocolate I'm like well let's talk to a therapist about that but I reckon it's pretty clear uh,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah it's like we had like always had kids at our house because everyone wanted Maltesers and M&Ms and Mars bars and Snickers my uh, little brother's eight years younger than me so I felt like I got to be kind of I was just so like obsessed
0: with my baby little mm. tiny
2: brother you know yeah and now he's 28 and I'm like ugh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so how many kids are there in your family there's three
2: me my sister and my Brother, so it's me. Four years, my sister. So my sister's thirty-one. I'm thirty-five. My
0: sister's thirty-one. That's similar to Stevie's family situation, isn't it? Uh, Yes, Mm. (laughs) ma'am. Stevie's sister's name's Hannah,
2: and Tanya's sister is named Alana, which is very similar. You can't help but write what you know, and you know what's weird. I didn't set out to create that. If Mm. you know what I mean, I just wrote.
0: It just kind of came out, and I was like, oh god, they're similar. And what's been the family reaction to the book? My
2: sister loves it. And my mom, my mum's a librarian, so, yeah, she loves it too. She's My mum's, like, beside herself because I just, like, my, my pop passed away in 2018 and I wish he could read this book because it's a big, strong, the reason that Stevie has her gold boots is because her pop gave them to her, mm. which is sort of my sort of way of honouring my pop because my pop did that for me. He gave me and instilled so much. You know, my pop was a radio announcer and a singer. No one else looked like me in my family in terms of soul and yeah. purpose, like, you know and he he was that person so I, I wish he was here to read this book but uh, my nan loves it too but yeah I, I just wish you know you just like I wish my pop was here to read this because he would be so proud he'd probably criticize it though um <laughs> <laughs> like
0: he would like it you know what I mean constructive He's- criticism <laughs> yeah yeah
2: like so my pop was a, a singer and like I would sing sometimes and he would be like can you please um, make sure you support your breath a little bit better? Use your <laughs> diaphragm. You know what I mean? Like he would never be like, amazing. He'd be like, here's some feet. <laughs> like, he was so mean to me. But like when people talk like that, it's only because they, um, you know, it's like a language. Yeah. You know, yeah. To help you. And he wouldn't ever talk to my other grandkids, yeah. his other grandkids like that. It's like a, a language that you just yeah. inherently know. But it's cool that I managed to sort of weave something in there for him because I think grandparents, the relationship between grandparents and kids, is something so important, mm-hmm. like so magical. Like, what yeah. are your relations? Is your your kids have a great relationship with their grandparents?
0: Yeah. So I don't have any grandparents left, unfortunately, but I see my dad with my kids, and it just it, it's the it's the thing that makes me happiest in this world is seeing that relationship and how it's much amazing. they love him, and seeing him Yay. just light up with them and different, yeah, isn't it?
2: Yeah. It's different from like how they were parenting you.
0: Yeah, it is. And I, I just love... I love it for them. And I love my partner's not from here. So his parents live overseas oh. in two different countries. So it's very much at the moment all about FaceTime. And
2: that would be hard for them, I'd imagine.
0: Yeah. They I can't just hop hard. on a plane. As well, yeah. Well, yeah. oh, I can see them, but I can't catch them. Yeah. Swim. Yeah. But I think you're right. I think grandparents are such an important part of our lives. And I remember watching, did you watch that show? on ABC the old people's home for four-year-olds yeah love that oh it's the most beautiful I think season two is coming up but I cried my way through every episode
2: oh, too much of it because I get so
0: upset. Oh, <laughs> Just seriously.
2: yeah my grandparents looked after me so much when I was a kid when I was in the jungle this is so rando maybe you could answer it as a psychologist, but when I was in the jungle, particularly, and ever since then, so I was in the jungle 2020, Mm -hmm. I'm a celeb. I kept flashing back to my grandparents'
0: home. It was super weird.
2: Why do I keep flashing back to this? Mm. Isn't that a weird, like watching the care bears on my grandparents?
0: Well, it makes perfect sense to me. I mean, you're going to the place of safety. Isn't that weird that it's not even your own home? Mm. (laughs) not even your own home it's your grandparents home no like, but I get oh, that <laughs> it's so weird it's so but what I, it's weird? no I think that's beautiful think it's it a is. safety thing it's where you felt cocooned and safe and for you in the jungle in South Africa you probably were just aching for the safety and comfort and the love feeling that you have when you were there cocooned in your grandparents home Because you know when,
2: like, I'm looking at, well, not looking at having kids. It sounds like I'm going to go through a brochure and pick one, but uh, (laughs) I'm looking (laughs) at with that simple. (laughs) I wish. Um, Yeah, so you know we've been trying for a couple of years, and I uh, there's so much. Just like I can't wait for my parents to have that with, with my children, and for me to give all the love that I got given back yeah you know and you kind yeah. of don't realize until and I'm, I'm not a mother but I can sort of somewhat empathize but not completely because I'm not but like how amazing like that is mm. and I can't wait to have that one day yeah it will be really exciting and also like I was so blessed as a child like how many sacrifices your parents made for you and you're like you're the best thank you so much yeah. I'm gonna be a terrible parent by your standards <laughs> I totally hear you and I think no. that's one thing that I've really learned, you know, in the mm. last couple of years, I, I, I watch a lot of true crime and you realise how much abuse happens to people mm. and you're like, Jesus Christ, I have, I am the anomaly here, I think.
0: Yeah, well, it's like what we were talking about off air as well with family violence, the terrible statistics that we know about in Australia. Again, like with mental health, those are the cases we know about. The majority of things, we would not have a clue.
2: Gratitude's a good one for me. And I always, I'm like super grateful. I had this like really great fundamental childhood.
0: It's funny that you've gone into comedy. Usually people say there's a stereotype about comedians that they've had a terrible childhood and they've, they've had to, like Jim Carrey's the one that people often talk about, that he had some kind of like terribly sad life and he's really actually quite depressed and sad, but he's so enigmatic and big and funny and that's more than norm. Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, like I have super depressive
2: elements to my personality and I was bullied a lot when I was in in like school, but I was always safe at home and it didn't continue like it does now. You know how it continues offline? Yeah. Like, online, sorry, when yeah. they get home. We were fortunate enough to not have that and we could run away. Yeah, like any comedian has got to have an element of self-awareness, which makes self-awareness makes personal awareness, which makes public awareness, which makes relatability. So, I don't know. Mm. Like every comedian's a bit sad. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, like, are we you know, all a little aren't bit sad? Are we yeah. all sad? But, like, that's, I feel like I was talking to someone the other day because I'm writing a TV show because I can't stop, but it's a slow process. Like, I've been writing it for years. And someone said, What do you want your show to be? And I said, I want it to be like wine. I want people to watch it and sit down and just go to a place of escapist. I don't want to mm-hmm. do political. I don't want to talk about religion. I don't want to talk about race or gender. That's all important. And I'm, I'm sure somebody else could tell that story better than me, mm-hmm. but I want to give something escapist. So the world and the phone sometimes is so much and you're like, you just can't anymore. And so I want to give something that's just funny, just silly yeah. and funny and irreverent. And I want it to be wine. You sit down and have yeah. your wine and you watch this show and you feel escapist for half an hour and you get half an hour of joy and then you go back to the terror of reality.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> yeah
2: i just think it's important and you know i've been watching that uh, show it's girls five ever and that's like uh, the most perfect wine show if yeah you it. it's escapist it's and it's got nothing to do with any of the darkness that is in the media at the moment or in in the in the news and it's so nice it's like oh i just can forget about it for one second
0: yeah yeah i think we need so much more of that i i, I sort of felt that way about watching younger you oh, know? I love Younger. Yeah. And you just kind of be taken away into this exciting world of New York. I'm not sure how I'm feeling about the last season so yeah, far. I'm
2: not about it either. It feels like they're like, oh, shit.
0: Yeah. And then they took away
2: Millennial and then I was yeah. like, that's the whole thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not loving the direction it's going in. It, it almost feels jump the sharky. I'm hoping it picks up. <laughs>
2: I'm hoping they kind of just wrap it up real quick just so mm. it ends good you know yeah. instead of it ends like peters out you know
0: yeah well how do you want it to end team Josh
2: what about you I go between I know me too and they've written yeah. it well. like I think that that writing is quite clever with that sort of
0: Charles is more age appropriate professionally appropriate they're so into the same thing Josh would just be divine and so much fun and show her a completely different side of life.
2: He's a cool guy, that um, actor. He mm. was on RuPaul's Drag Race, like Celebrity, and they dressed him up as a drag queen and he was like loving it and he was so great on it. Nico, yeah, Nico. Cool name.
0: Yeah. But I love the sound of that TV show because I was going to say, what is coming up next for you? What creative projects do you have in the pipeline?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to write this show, but, well, I'm, I'm writing, I've got a writer's room in it and we're going to, it's a mockumentary because I've been writing um I've been writing a lot of uh relatable comedy. And I wanted to write relatable but not myself. I was kind of sick of playing myself. So I think it might be a mockumentary about a character, not me. Maybe I'll play multiple characters. So bit mm. bit Chris Lilly, bit Kathleen mm. Kim. Yeah. Very 2021 though. Stay tuned for that one. Yeah. Not not like woke 2021. Well, it will be, but like more uh just of the now, as opposed to you know when you watch Kevin Kim, you're like, whoa, this is 2003, but it's still, <laughs> it still holds up. It's it still brilliant, mm. but yeah, there's something in the the, the characters of Kevin Kim, but the narrative structure of We Could Be Heroes, maybe. But, you know, like if anyone's uh, like a writer or understands this process, it's so long and expensive and people go, oh, you should just be able to get a TV show up. Lol, nope. Like no one can get a show up. Like I think Pete Hellyer and Matt O'Kind are the only people who've had, got TV shows up in the last six years. It's so wow. hard. Auntie Donna had to go to the US and uh, you're probably not hearing a lot of women's names being thrown around there as well. So that's a
0: thing. Mm. <laughs> yeah, a common thread across many professions yes
2: ma'am but Mm. I mean look I will do it because I have no other option not in like a desperate thing in like a this is all I ever want to do I just want to tell stories and hear stories so Mm. if I can tell and hear stories for the rest of my life and nothing else I'd be so stoked
0: and I love what you're doing still online I love your cooking show for (laughs) non-cooks so relatable rest? in my <laughs> in my life my partner does basically all the cooking here much yep. like your partner yep, so yep. you are talking my language when you're <laughs> doing those bits
2: i hate it yeah i should probably do more but i probably all pull back on social only mm. because we have been doing it for so long it's time for a change mm.
0: and some self-care
2: and some self-care yeah. i'm going to, go to noosa i'm gonna go to some weird spa place. I'm going to like go travel to all the fun places in New South Wales and, and Queensland as if it was overseas.
0: Sounds like the perfect way to switch off. Yeah. If yeah. not, it'll just be good for the gram. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, where can people find Stevie Louise? Is she everywhere? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's
2: mm-hmm. everywhere. Target, came Kmart, Big W, QDB. Anywhere where books are sold. But if you want to get them signed, booktopia.com.au. Yeah. And where's the best place for people to find you? Instagram, at Tan Hennessy, T-A-N-H-E-N-N-E-S-S-Y.
0: Oh, well, Tanya, it has been such a joy chatting with you today. Thank you so much for your time.
2: Oh, my God, of course, anytime.
0: time. <laughs> well, I really appreciate it. I know that everyone listening is going to get so much out of this chat. So thank you for sharing everything that you have. Oh, my pleasure. And if you heard something you didn't like, I'm Celeste Barber.
2: <laughs> Brilliant. I was in a bookshop and someone goes, Oh my God, I love your book, Celeste. And I was like, Not even close, but thank you so much. She's thinner than me. So thank you. It was so and she's like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Oh my God, Constance. I was like, Nope. <laughs> I was getting Celeste and Constance confused. I was like, Mm-hmm.
1: I'm Tanya and she was like oh, oh anyway oh my god <laughs> for listening we would love it if you left us a rating for this episode and catch up with yana for more inspiration and info on how to get to the stories that tap into your passion on instagram and facebook at the curious life podcast and if you're looking for a fabulous podcast editor or producer use ours julie reynolds will turn your audio lemons into audio lemonade check out audio lemonade.com.au